Let's bow our hearts and, uh, and pray and ask God to join us today. Father, we thank you for this amazing opportunity to be here together today, to consider your urgent priorities. And we pray that as we, as we study your word and as you speak to us today, that you would teach us what that means for our lives. Lord, uh, let your priorities be our priorities. And bless us as we study your word today. Use your spirit to teach us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, in this series, as I said, we've been looking at really big questions about what does it mean to be the church? And we started with the question, why are we here? Why are we here as a church? What does it mean to be a church? And we've been talking about the abundant life, and so this is one way to answer that. Read this with me. We're here so that everyone would experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So that everyone would experience the abundant life, because some people will not experience it. Okay, in other words, there's a role for us to play in helping people understand the abundant life. It's why God placed us here, to reach out to people to make sure they understand and experience and receive the abundant life. And we need to understand the weight of what it means when some people do not get that message. Some people do not have that experience. You know, once we receive the abundant life, we should want to give it to others. And so we talked about, well, what happens in our heart as God heals us and we become teachable, we become, become desiring and, and want to know what he wants us to do with our lives. We become outwardly focused. We become, we become generous people because our whole lives are centered around this idea of sharing the abundant life with the world. So week two, we answered that question, how do we behave? We're teachable and outward focused and generous people. And as God heals our hearts, we become even more and more relational. And so what do we do? Tony talked about it last week. We prioritize relationships of worship, worship, that relationship with God, connection, our relationship with one another. And then we speak God's love language to the world. And his love language is serving so that we can have a relationship with people in the world, so we can invite them in to experience this incredible gift of abundant life. Now, today we want to look at this last question, and that is, how do we stay focused? Because it's one thing to get excited about what it means to be the church at the beginning of the year. It's a whole other thing in May and in September and all year long and all life long to stay focused on what we need to do to invite people in to experience abundant life. And so today we want to talk a little bit about being focused, staying focused. And it's really hard sometimes in today's world to stay focused, isn't it? I was working on this sermon, thinking about how do I stay focused on working on this sermon. And as I was doing it in front of my computer, I get this little ding and up pops a Facebook post up in the corner of my computer screen. Anybody have that happen? You know what I'm talking about? And I tried to resist it. I really did, but it was like it was from one of you guys, and it was a celebration. I thought, I got to check it out. I got to see what's going on, and so I checked it out. You know, and I was looking at the post, and it was like, oh, wow, I'm so glad to hear that that went well. So we were celebrating something, and, and then there were some other things down below that in my Facebook feed, and it began to get, kind of grab my attention. I clicked here, and I clicked there, and 20 minutes later, I, I was looking at this video. <laughs> 
This is Gabe riding his rocking horse. It's like I was totally lost. No focus at all. Have you ever had this happen? Yeah. You guys want to see what Gabe does? Yeah, you do, don't you? Right now, you want to see this. Watch. He rides the rocking horse, okay? He actually gets on it and rides the rocking horse. Totally, totally unfocused. I bet Tony that I could get dogs into the sermon for the third week in a row, you know. I did it. Now, why are we here? I've forgotten. I mean, I am totally unfocused, right? It's hard in our world to stay focused. Microsoft did a study just recently. They had 2,000 participants. They were looking to see what our attention span is. They found that it's dropped over the last 15 years from, uh, you know, 12 seconds to 8 seconds and what really makes you pause is when you realize that a goldfish's attention span is nine seconds. So if you're still with me at this point, congratulations. You're doing really, really well. It's hard to stay focused. It's hard to stay focused in today's world. There is so much information, so many things coming at us. But what we have to do is we have to stay focused because God is putting some very big things right in front of us. You don't want to miss them. And, you know, we have binging on Netflix. Anybody do that? I do. Got to watch that. I got, I've got Facebook and YouTube and, you know, just all sorts of clicking around on the Internet. And it can just consume us and pull us off. We got sports. We got all kinds of stuff, all kinds of information available to us and entertainment available to us. And it's not that it's bad. It may be good. It's good for me to know what's going on in people's lives and have relationships with them. It's not that it's bad. It's probably okay, but sometimes we have to choose. We have to learn to choose individually and as a church between what is good and what is best. And that's what we want to talk about. How do we focus on what is, what is best, not just what is good? How do we say no, even to things that are good, because we need to focus on what's best? We need a couple of things for that to happen. First of all is a sense of urgency. And when it comes to the faith, when it comes to abundant life, sometimes we find that maybe there isn't that level of fire, of urgency in our hearts and in our souls. And here's the reason why. We don't realize that we're in a battle. We've been using this verse to illustrate or to talk about the abundant life. Look what it says carefully. This is the whole verse. It says the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, comes to give life abundantly. Life so you can have it abundantly. You see, there is there's a force working against you having abundant life. Satan does not want you to have abundant life. He is executing a strategy to keep you from having that. And that strategy is to execute you, to take life from you. Life now, in other words, your experience of the fullness of what life is supposed to be according to God, and life eternally. And we know something. We know that Jesus came and he came to face off with the powers of darkness and evil, and he won. That battle's done. I mean, we know that uh, Satan is, going, is defeated. But you see, what we don't understand is that in the hearts of people, that battle still rages. In other words, that that battle goes on and that there are still casualties. That people don't go to heaven 
because they don't know the gospel or don't understand who Jesus is. And if we're going to have urgency, we've got to realize that we are indeed in a battle with a real entity who wants to execute a strategy to take away life. 60% of Americans, Christians, American Christians, do not believe that, that Satan is a real being. If you don't understand our enemy, that we have an enemy, then he's working against us. How could we ever be urgent? It'd be you know, like a soldier in battle when an enemy is coming after them. They are very focused. We need to realize that an enemy is coming, prowling like a lion, Scripture says, out to get us. Because that will give us focus. That will help us to say no to good things and yes to the best things. We need to recognize that we are in a battle so that we can have a sense of urgency. Now, in addition to having urgency, we need a set of priorities. And priorities are, are, are really important because they govern how we encounter. You know, they give us clarity how we encounter the, the countless options that we have that clamor for our attention. We have all these countless options, and priorities will help us pause and say, is it better to do this or is it best to do this? So I want to talk to you about three priorities this morning. And we're going to learn from Jesus his priorities in a story that, well, quite frankly, you don't hear preached on much in church because it's about demons. And I know when I say that, when I talk to people even last night, I, I say demons. You mean, do we believe in demons? Do we believe that Satan is real as a church? And the answer is yes. And I know, I know, I know so much of the world doesn't believe that. What a great strategy for Satan to convince people that he's not real so that he can work unimpeded. Now, we don't have time to go into the reasons why we believe this problem of Satan and demons is real. But if you want to get a resource, if you want me to point you to a resource that really articulates well this whole problem of how we deal with Satan and his demons, put that on the back of your Connect card. Just write resource in the next steps lines. And I'll send you the link so that you can buy the book and you can read. It's real. And the book will give you accounts of how real it really is. But we have a, we have a story here that illustrates Jesus priority. Jesus's priorities. Here's how he looked at the world. Here's how he made decisions on what to do. It begins this way. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came to meet him. So they went across the Sea of Galilee, the disciples and Jesus traveling in a boat. And on the way, by the way, this was when the storm came up and Jesus was asleep in the front of the boat. And the disciples said, Jesus, you got to wake up, we're going to die. And Jesus wakes up, and in the middle of the storm, he speaks to the waves, he speaks to the winds, and they're calmed. And the, and the disciples ask this question about Jesus, say, who is this man that, that even the waves and the wind obey him? And they ask that question, that's an important question, as you'll see in just a minute, because they're going to get their answer from the most unlikely place. This man who comes out, he comes out of the tombs to meet Jesus. Now, this region of the Gerasenes is a pagan region. 
And it's, a, it's an area where the disciples were going, wait a minute, I thought you were like the, the Messiah for the Jews. Why are we going away from where all the Jews are? Why are we going into a place where they are not, where there are pagans? And then when they get there, this man comes out of the tombs who would have been considered to be unclean because that's Jewish uh, law. That's the Jewish custom. Anybody who hangs around with and touches dead things is considered to be unclean, and you don't associate with them. And yet Jesus does. And this man comes to Jesus, and he says, he, when he ran to Jesus, he saw him from a distance and ran. He fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. And so the disciples get a theology lesson from the most unlikely of places. The demon knew who Jesus was. He identified who he was. If you study the demons and and Satan's work, they always do in the New Testament. They always identify. But notice he fell to his knees because he knew he was in the presence of God. And he knew that he was powerless in that presence. He fell to his knees, as every person one day will do, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Most High God, Lord of all. And so Jesus was there in front of him, this tormented, terrifying, self-destructive, suicidal individual wrecked by Satan and his demons. And, and, and he, is, he is begging for mercy from Jesus. And Jesus, like why would he associate with this person, says to him, what's your name? What's your name? Who are you? And the demon replied, I'm legion, one of many. The demon responded because the demon had robbed the identity of that man. That man was no longer there responding and interacting with the world. This shows you that that Satan will use whatever resources that he can to steal your identity of what Jesus has promised to you and to me. He doesn't want you to know that you're a forgiven child of God. That's the way Satan wants to attack us today. Jesus, Jesus looks at that man and says, you know, demons leave. You have no place here. Jesus had a priority. His first priority, he was accessible to people who needed him. He crossed borders and boundaries that made other people uncomfortable. It's a lesson for you and for me. That we would not just look at the world and say, oh, I can't do that, or I can't do that, because the message of abundant life needs to be shared. Jesus just wasn't accessible, he was also relational. He built a relationship with this man. He spent some time with him. He cared for him. He encouraged him. He didn't just connect him back with the Son of God. He didn't just connect with, and that vertical relationship he also said look you've been restored now that demon is gone 
Go back to your hometown. The people who had exiled you because they thought you were crazy. Who tried to chain you and you broke the chains and, and then they couldn't be around you as you cut yourself and cried out because of what Satan was doing in your life. He said, go back and, and be restored. Go back and tell them that the Lord has had mercy on you. So Jesus was not just accessible, he was also relational. He's all about restoring relationship, you know, with him and between people. The vertical and horizontal aspect of relationship is what Jesus is a priority for Jesus. But he wasn't just accessible and relational, he was transformative. Because as I said before, Jesus healed this man. He said, leave demons, and they did. Because Jesus has authority, and we should never, ever be afraid of Satan. Because when Jesus is here, we have nothing to fear. He has authority over evil. We just need to recognize that authority, but we also have to know there is an enemy. So that that authority can be applied, and he'll leave. Jesus is transformative. And what's interesting about this to me is that it not only transformed the demon-possessed man, but he went and he told his community what Jesus had done for him, which began the process of them experiencing abundant life. They, too, would hear Jesus. He would come to their town after the first missionary that Jesus sent out, which was a demon-possessed man, formerly demon-possessed man. He was the first missionary. Think about that. He goes to his hometown, he tells, he tells them what Jesus had done for them. And Jesus then comes into that town, he preaches, he heals, he does a miracle, feeding of 4,000, and countless people receive the gift of abundant life. Because Jesus had this priority to be accessible, to, to be relational, to be transformative. This is what God wants to do. It's his priority for the demon-possessed man. It was a priority for Jesus. It helps teach us about our priorities as a church. Are we accessible? Are we relational? Do we prioritize life around those things? Are we transformative in the lives of people? Before we go any further, though, I need you to know something, that it's not just about the demon-possessed man. It's about you, and it's about me. That Jesus is accessible for us. That he's relational for us. He's the word made flesh. That we can have a savior that is sympathetic to our human condition. That he knows that and he understands us. And wants a relationship. We walk with him and talk with him and are led by him throughout life. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to be our savior. He wants us to know that he is indeed the son who came from the Father, and he wants to walk with us through life. And most of all, he wants to transform us, each of us, into a new creation. And he has done that according to Romans. He's done that, it says, in baptism. We were buried with him into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, that we are a new creation in Christ. That's what we have. That's the gift of abundant life we have, a new creation, to experience abundant life now and forever, that we would, even when we die, we will not die. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's what Scripture tells us. We will live forever. 
You know, Jesus met a man who came from the tombs, unclean according to Jewish law, but Jesus actually went into the tomb for us and defeated death to transform us, to give us that abundant life. And because he has, he then turns around and wants us to go. He, wants, he sends us to share the message of abundant life. But we have to have the priorities of Jesus to do that. We have to stay focused on that task. We have to say no to some good things and yes to the best things. The best things of eternal life. And I've been just burdened with this idea that we are not getting to the message with people at times. That we we often have small talk and we need to move from small talk to big talk to the God talk with them. That's why two weeks ago I I talked about those two questions that I've been asking people lately. Do you believe in heaven? And the second one, if they say yes, how do you hope to get there? We need to be urgently accessible for people. And and relational with people so that they can receive the transformative answers to those questions. Because once they realize how real heaven is, it changes the way they live now. It gives them the abundant life now because they live certain and secure with what God has promised he will do in our lives. So ask yourself about your priorities. Are you accessible? to people that don't know Jesus? Are you relational with them? Are you ready to be transformative and tell them the good news of the gospel? Our church has to wrestle every day with decisions about what really we should do. We could do a lot of things. We could be involved in a lot of things, but if it doesn't fit these priorities, why would we want to do them? Because these are Jesus' priorities. Six years ago, we built this site and there was a lot of question, like, why do we want to build a church in a strip mall, for crying out loud? Why would we do that? Why would we have a cafe, a Grounds for Hope cafe, where it's more than coffee? Simply because we want to be relational. We want to be accessible to the community. We want people to come here, and indeed they are coming here, and we are building relationships. It's hard work, and we've had to learn a lot in terms of trying to do that. But our goal is that we would have more than a great cup of coffee. That hope would be given here. That people could see abundant life in us. That we would be able to share abundant life with them. And that it would end up being transformative. That it would change lives, change the community, and even change the world because, well, we're here and we're available to them. And of course, this is just one of many Trinity ministries, right? That built on the same ideas. But we sit here and realize that we have 45,000 people that we're now accessible to every year that come here from the community that we try to share the message of Jesus with. And we do that in really simple little ways every day. And we need playset missionaries. If you've got some time, let me teach you how to to be a playset missionary. How to to have a a small talk to a, a big talk to a God talk with people. Let me do that. And it's just an amazing experience. And, and we have these, these thought starters, these things that happen and in, 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 in we program every day where it raises spiritual issues. I just want you to see, this is just a normal Monday 
and our song uh, time with Mary. Watch this. are those people they are not part of our church they are part of the community and they're here to hear the very simple message that jesus loves them and has a promise of abundant life for them there are people all around you that are in the same place are you accessible to them are you relational are you ready to be transformative are you ready to talk to them about your faith this is what god is calling us to do this year. He wants us to be focused on helping people not just see that we're, we're different, but also to hear the transformative gospel that Jesus loves them and died for them on a cross, that heaven is real, and they can have that too in their lives. And when we do that, Scripture tells us that it brings joy. This is John writing about his ministry and what happened in his ministry. He says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Relationship, accessibility, you see it. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write all this to make our joy complete. When you see transformation in people, when you see them understand the gospel, it just lights us up. It, it brings great joy because we know that we know they have the gift. And we know they'll be in, in heaven for eternity. We know that that battle, they're safe from the forces of evil. This is what we commit to as a church this year so that we can have abundant life and we can invite others to have abundant life. Our vision series is always about commitment. And so I have to ask you the question, are you in? Do you want to be a part of a church that is ready to have those priorities? Is ready to make sure that, that people know the amazing gift of the promise of abundant life. They experience it. They have it. That takes growth on the part of each person. See, it, it, it takes, it, we have to be intentional about that. We have to be focused on that. It doesn't just happen. It happens because we all decide individually that, that we're going to take a step. So I want to challenge you today to commit to a step. There are two ways you can do that. I'm going to give you a few minutes. In a few minutes, I'm going to give you some time to think about this. Just some quiet time with some music. As you, as you came in, you received a card that looks like this. We actually handed it out last week, but we gave it to you again this week. And it's all about next steps in that area of relationships. Worship, connection, and serving. Take a step. I don't know where you are. I don't know where God's nudging you, encouraging you. Take a step. Two weeks ago, we handed out uh, this piece of paper. This is about generosity and how you use your, your finances as a part of this mission. Take a look at this. Commit. Take a step. I don't know where you are, but I just know that God wants to, to help you take a step this year. And we do too. We want to encourage you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a few minutes just to read these, 
Make a commitment. And I want you to drop these in the offering bag when it comes around a little bit later. Would you do that? Are you in? I'm going to give you a few minutes to think about that. If you need those cards, the ushers have additional copies. And uh, let's just take a minute now. Let, let God speak to you. This prayer might be helpful. I'd encourage you to pray it as you begin. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ? Or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T L C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.